The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio, the place where we inform you, inspire you, empower you, and we get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And today is no exception, like I say, just about every week. We have a great show today. We're going to talk about Nikola Tesla, arguably one of the most provocative, influential, visionary minds, not only of the 20th century, of all time. If you're not familiar with Tesla beyond the vehicle named after him, it's worth doing some research in it. But I've done it for you because my special guest today is the world's foremost expert on Nikola Tesla. His name is Mark J. Seifer. We're going to talk about his new book. It's called Tesla Wizard at War, The Genius Particle Beam Weapon and the Pursuit of Power. It's a follow-up to his earlier international bestseller, Wizard, The Life and Times of Nikola Tesla. I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. I learned so much about Nikola Tesla that I wasn't aware of. I mean, I was aware of the name and I knew that he didn't really get the credit he deserves for his work on electricity and lighting and things like that. But wow, Tesla was so, he was like a century ahead of his time in terms of his thinking about cell phone technology, radio guidance systems, encryption, advanced military aircraft designs, and even remote controlled robotics. Can you believe this, that he was talking about and working on those things in the early 1900s? leading up to World War I. Just an amazing man, and there's so much mystery about him also because he wasn't married, he didn't have kids, and there's nothing about any assistance him working with him. He handled his financial affairs, he, he got some loans and stuff, but everything is about Tesla and his inventions, and the top financial folks and power brokers in the world all were aware of Tesla, as well as some of his quote-unquote maybe frenemies like Edison and Marconi, who were battling him for the preemptive pole position in the technology advances in, in electricity. But you know what? Tesla blew those guys away with his work. And it's so sad that so much of Tesla's work was squashed for so long. And now we're finally learning more about the things he was working on because they impact our lives now and they will in the foreseeable future including uh, free energy, which at, during our lifetimes, depending on how old you are, we may get that. Who knows? The Guys Guys Radio, it's a terrific show today. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And if you're interested in all in Tesla, this is the place to be because I've got the world's foremost expert, Mark J. Seifer. We're going to get into it very shortly. And I think you're really, once again, really going to enjoy our conversation. So what else is happening? Well, we're in August. We're making that turn towards September and back to school. I know my son's getting ready to go back to school. And it's interesting because, wow, we're really getting ahead of ourselves. I was in Costco the other day, and I love Costco because it's, it's convenient and they got great prices if you buy things that you want in bulk. And they got pretty good quality too, even their own personal Kirkland brand and all that. So anyhow, I'm a fan. And they actually, though, 
I was walking down the aisle and looking at some of the inflatable surf equipment and some of the beach stuff uh, that they still had left over for the, from the summer. But then I stumbled upon a Christmas display of all things. Can you imagine that? The first holiday display. I saw it uh, in mid-August at Costco. I'm like, wow, we didn't even get to, not even doing the Halloween yet. We're just going right to the, the holiday season. So, wow. So make sure that you stay present and don't get, let yourself get pulled along by all of the media and all of the merchandising and all of the mind control, control stuff that's out there to get us to start thinking about the holidays, whatever, when we're, we're in the dog days of summer. And there's so much more summer to enjoy. So anyhow, I hope you're having a good one. So let's get into it. We've got my special guest, Mark J. Cipher. I can't wait. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's just do it right now. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, today we're going to talk about one of the most famous inventors and one of the most brilliant minds in the history of mankind. His name is Nikola Tesla. My special guest's name is Mark Seifer. He's a PhD. He's a leading Tesla historian, author of the widely acclaimed book, Tesla Wizard. He's been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, Scientific American, Sarah Brum, and Nature. Uh, Mark is the author of Wizard, The Life and Times of Nikola Tesla. It's a definitive book on handwriting analysis and dozens other works of nonfiction and fiction. So beyond the Tesla book, he's also wrote a book about handwriting analysis. He's been on Coast to Coast Radio, NPR, the History Channel, and also featured in the five-part limited series, The Tesla Files, which is now on Amazon. So we're going to talk about Tesla. He's the guy who... <laughs> may have invented the induction motor, the hydroelectric power system, our energy grid, fluorescent neon lights, remote control robotics, the particle beam weapon, wireless channels, cell phone frequencies, all of that stuff. The new book is called Tesla, Wizard at War, The Genius, The Particle Beam Weapon, and The Pursuit of Power. It's just an amazing individual and mark's done an amazing job researching him and probably being one of the world's foremost experts on nikola tesla so welcome to guys guys radio thanks for being here mark thanks so much for having me robert let's start right at the beginning there's an entire generation of people who really don't know too much about nikola tesla even though with the you know advent of the, the new the vehicle that's out there and elon musk people are now talking about tesla but i don't i'm not sure how many people actually make that connection what what is it about Tesla that drew you and now millions and others who are now learning his name and now learning about his work? What makes him so special and different from all the other inventors and visionaries of the last hundred years or so? Well, really, what happened for me was I got to go all the way back to 1976. I was writing an article on somebody else, and I came across this article about a man who invented all those things that you listed: the induction motor, hydroelectric power system remote control, wireless communication, et cetera. And I said, this guy couldn't possibly exist because if he existed, I wouldn't know his name. So I'm in the library, New York Public Library, and I look him up in this article uh, from uh, 1905 on high-frequency phenomena. So I go, this guy really existed. So when I come back to Rhode Island, working for Howard Smuckler, who was the uh, editor of Ancient Astronauts and ESP Magazine, I was writing articles for them. 
Um, he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And he gives me the, the O'Neill biography, which is the first major biography on Tesla. And he gives me another book called Tesla and the Venusian Spaceship, which suggested that Tesla was still alive, which was 1976, he'd be at 114 years old, floating around in, in space. And then he lands in this guy's backyard, Arthur Matthews' backyard. That's how I was introduced to him. So when I did a little bit more research, I got a book of his patents, which was a thousand pages, lectures, articles, and patents. And I said, this is a huge story because I had the solid patents. And that's really how I got interested uh, in Tesla. And then, you know, through the years with the internet and everything, his, his name has risen to the top. But in those days, in the 1970s and 80s, he was completely unknown. He had totally disappeared from the history books. Now, why, why do you think that is? I know when he passed, and we're kind of getting uh, ahead of ourselves here, but when he passed, his records and all were taken and sealed, and we don't know exactly where, where they are now. And he was working on some part of what is it your book is about, this particle beam weapon, and about some military technology that we didn't want to get into the wrong hands. What, what happened to him, and why, why is everybody talking about Tesla now? Yeah, this is a great question, and it was the subject of my doctoral dissertation. If he really was the inventor of the hydroelectric power system and wireless communication, how could we not know his name? And so I went into the history of, e of all these inventions. Who invented the mouse, the computer mouse? I don't know who invented it. Who invented contact lenses? So we've got these very powerful, important inventions, and we don't know who invented them. The reason, the main reason why Tesla's name disappeared was because Marconi beat him in sending a impulse across the Atlantic Ocean before Tesla did. And JP Morgan pulled Tesla's funding and wireless communication. Once that happened, you, you know, you forget, like, you know, who ran for the vice president, you know, when, when so-and-so was running for president, you know, we tend not to remember second people, people that come in second. And so Tesla was coming in second in that, in that case. And that's really why his name basically disappeared. Now, the other question is, why did it reappear? Tesla had a great sense of camp and uh, a sense of humor. And you these fantastic photos of him surrounded by lightning. Um, I think once they got back onto the internet, that was one of the reasons. And the other reason, of course, is Elon Musk. He kept the name Tesla Motors. He was thinking of actually getting rid of the name Tesla Motors when he bought the company. And he made the, the correct decision to keep that name. And Tesla Motors is doing so incredibly well. And Elon Musk is such, he's the Tesla of today. Uh, and I think those two reasons, the fantastic photos on the internet of Tesla, and also his story is just so amazing. I think my first book, Wizard, The Life and Times of Nikola Tesla, played a role too in helping resurrect his name. So those are some of the reasons why his name reappeared, uh, but it had completely disappeared from history for, for about 40 or 50 years. You know, it's really interesting when I went through the book and a lot of other people I've talked to interviewed over the years. And one of the hypothesis, if you will, that comes up is that the human body is kind of like a battery. And if you send electronic pulses in it, uh, for instance, there's a gentleman, he passed recently, uh, Patrick Flanagan. And he said, one of the healthiest things you can do is take a bath in very low electrical current water that has a very low electrical current. I'm not recommending that anybody out there do this. But the, the idea was that our bodies are like batteries. That seems to be the basis of so much of Tesla's work. What do you think about that, Mark? It's a great question. And there's a lot of interesting answers to that. Uh, he is the inventor of electrotherapy when you go to a chiropractor and they put those electrodes on your back. 
what's happening is that electricity is changing the oxygen in your body O2 into O3. It's changing it into ozone. And ozone kills viruses. Right. And that's one of the reasons, uh, you know, that it worked. Tesla had invented an ozone generator. He was selling ozone generators to medical community in the early 1900s. And now he's a huge hero in the, in the ozone therapy community. I have a new book coming out on ozone therapy, so I'm very aware of all this. But what's, that's what's happening. And Tesla was also working with people that had cancer uh, and, and working with doctors that believed that sending electricity through the body would kill cancer. So I totally agree. We are an electrical body, you know, electrical battery and electrical impulses. In his 80s, at the, towards the end of his life, he said, I've been t- studying electricity for all these years and all the amazing things. He said, I still don't know what electricity is. And that's, you know, an amazing statement from a guy who, who knows everything about electricity. But it is the source of life. It, it, there's so many mysteries involved in that. Okay, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio is Mark J. Cipher. He's written this book, the second one on Tesla called Tesla Wizard at War. So what we before we get into the you know the war aspect of this, for the benefit of some of our uh, audience who may not be super familiar with Tesla besides knowing about the car, kind of who who was he? And how did he get started uh, doing his work? There's just so much about his life. And, you know, I'm, I'm amazed that he really didn't seem like he had assistance or he had somebody managing his finances. And he got himself into so many messes o- over the years, even though he was so brilliant. So who kind of who was he and how did he come to prominence in terms of working with uh, electricity, if you will? He was born in uh, Croatia in, in a little town called Smiljan. I've been there. And it's about 150 miles from Rome as the crow flies across the Adriatic Sea. But it's in the middle of nowhere. There were ox carts when I was there in the 1980s. Um, and it's, it's along a, a mountain, and, and there's a long plain, and way off in the distance of the Daneric Alps. I'm sure he saw lightning storms way off in the distance coming across the plain uh, and bathing his house, you know, with lightning. Um, he was part of the educated elite. His father was a, a, a minister. Uh, you know, a Greek Orthodox priest who can get married, obviously. And his mother was related to the regional bishop. She was actually higher up on the hierarchy than his father. Um, so he was highly intelligent. And he went to the University of Graz, which was kind of like the MIT of uh, Austria. And then he went to the University of Prague. He was a mathematics major. Uh, there's this myth that he didn't understand Maxwell's equations, which is completely ridiculous. Uh, the complicated mathematics that he's involved with uh, will make your head spin. I mean, it, his mathematics are amazing. So he's a college-educated guy. And at the time, there was a big problem of uh, that direct current could only send electricity about a mile. And what Tesla knew was that electricity by its nature is alternating, which means it alternates its direction of flow at thousands of miles a second. So picture a, uh, a river going downstream, then upstream, then downstream at thousands of times in a second. How can you make a water wheel go in one direction? That was the problem in those days. So what they did was they in- eliminated the upflow and only used the downflow. And that's what direct current was. So the world that he was in, direct current could only send energy about a mile, power dropping off over the distance, and only for lighting homes. Tesla felt you could do away with the commutator, which was creating that situation, and harness alternating current unencumbered. And his, and his teacher, Professor Poschel, said, I know you're brilliant, Mr. Tesla, but that's a perpetual motion scheme. It can never be done. And Tesla spent 
five years of daily research trying to figure out how to do away with the commutator. And he discovered how. And he was actually working for Edison uh, just about at the same exact time in Paris. And so he comes to New York to try and sell this idea to Edison. And Edison says, come on, how can you have an electricity going two direct directions at once almost? You can't do this. I don't want to hear anything about AC. DC is the way to go. And so they ran into a, a personality dispute and money dispute. And Tesla was a ditch digger for a year. And then uh, Westinghouse purchased his patents. And that became the war of the currents, AC versus DC. And what the public didn't realize, it was kind of like an ox cart versus a rocket ship. Tesla had the rocket ship. Edison had the ox cart. But Edison had the name. So Edison was electrocuting cats and dogs and even a, a horse and an elephant. And he got the AC as the electric chair. Uh, uh, so there was this big PR campaign against Westinghouse, and this explains why Tesla had such difficulty in financing. Westinghouse says, I can't pay you your royalty contract. I can't afford this. I'm fighting Edison in the courts, and, and uh, we want to harness Niagara Falls, but we can't. We just can't do it. We're running out of money. Tesla said, you know what? I'll rip up the royalty contract if you promise to go all the way into AC. And so they did that, and, and Tesla spoke as the inventor of the hydroelectric power system at Niagara Falls. And the one thing I want to say, Robert, about the, the hydroelectric power system, it's clean energy, it's renewable, and it runs forever as long as Niagara Falls. And so it's, it, it, and from this one place, he wiped out 3,000 local power stations all throughout the Northeast, and not only for lighting homes, but for running factories uh, for hundreds of miles in every single direction. So that was, he became world famous at, the, at that point. Um, and he had a lot of money, but he gave up a tremendous amount of money, a, a, a source of a future income through ripping up the royalty contract. And that's really eventually that caught up to him. And so that's why he had money problems later on. So there was a lot of people as he started to really be noticed as somebody who had like a really big brain for these, how to work with electricity and do some of the things he could do, which is far more advanced than Edison or Marconi. Who was pulling at him? And there was a lot going on there because, you know, he had the keys to the kingdom in a lot of ways. And I know JP Morgan had an interest in him. And you mentioned Westinghouse. What do you think happened then? Then the World War I came along and then everybody was kind of after his technology. And he was open for bidding. Apparently, he talked about, well, maybe I'll sell some of my technology to the Russians for a particle beam weapon, et cetera. What, what do you think happened? It got very kind of busy and confusing during about a 20-year period of his life. Yeah, well, the interesting thing to me about Tesla is that his life gets more and more interesting as he goes through his life. So the War of the Currents is through the, the early, early 1890s and ends about in 1897 when uh, Niagara Falls is harnessed. Uh, and he wins the War of the Currents. And Edison now has more, more respect for him. In fact, when Tesla's uh, lab burnt to the ground in, in 1895. Edison provided a lab until Tesla could create another lab. But at the uh, inauguration of the hydroelectric power system, Tesla lectures before all the greats of the day. And he says, you know what? I got even a better idea than this. We don't need wires. I'm going to be able to jump continents, send wireless power. And it was a crazy thing to do because we're still using the hydroelectric power system exactly as he, as he invented it. So he kind of undid himself in a way because he said, I could do this other amazing thing. So now he's racing Marconi in the world of wireless, and he hooks up with J.P. Morgan. 
Morgan gives him $150,000 to build a wireless plant out on Long Island in 1901. And Morgan tells him, he says, look, I'm giving you $150,000, but that's all you're going to get from me. You're not going to get another cent. And I want to hear about you know, anything, any problems. Tesla says, all right, all right, don't worry about it. And so Morgan goes off to Europe. And Marconi writes an article saying, you know how you do wireless communication? You take a Tesla coil and you do this and you do that. And Tesla freaked out because Tesla had offered Marconi his equipment. And Marconi said, no, I don't need it. And now he's publishing that he's using it. So Tesla decides to double the size of the tower. He figures that if he doubles the size of the tower, not only will he get to Europe, but it'll go all the way to Japan and China and Australia. So the revenues won't be doubled. The revenues will be almost infinite because he'll control the entire world from this one giant tower. That was his thinking. But when Morgan comes back, there's a stock market crash partly caused by Morgan. Morgan can't believe that Tesla doubled the size of the contract, the, the tower, and now is asking for more money. And so Morgan shuts him off. And, and now he can't complete the tower. And Tesla says, yeah, I know I did that. But I am going to, I have the ability to create an unlimited number of wireless channels. Tesla is the inventor of cell phone technology. He's able to multiply frequencies. Marconi is just able to put dots and dashes in Morse code. <laughs> but Tesla's got the ability to send voice, pictures, and power. But Morgan has cut him off. And, the, and that's the reason why. And so Tesla partly is to blame for his own undoing. And now he spends, so that's 1901, all the way through the beginning of World War One, he's now working for the Germans. Let me um, let me let me butt butt in on this one because it's, I think it's so fascinating. So this is a, over a hundred years ago. He had cell phone technology. So why didn't somebody see the money? You know, he had these big financiers interested in his work, and the biggest brains and the biggest finance people at the time were watching him closely. Why was this technology kind of put aside for like 80 years or so? He would literally meet with uh, Henry Clay Frick. Frick was given $60 million by J.P. Morgan when U.S. Steel was created. Um, uh, Carnegie got, I think, $320 million and Frick got 60 And Frick is living in the world of a story and Tesla's living in the world of a story. And so he says to, to uh, Tesla, uh, what's going on here? Why doesn't Morgan give you the rest of the money? And Tesla says, Morgan said he would just give me 150000 I got to raise the rest by myself. Please meet with Morgan. So Frick meets with Morgan, and it's, the deal's not done. The only conclusion you can come to, to answer your question, is that Morgan literally blocked all these other financiers, uh, Thomas Fortune Ryan, Jacob Schiff, all these other they're billionaires in, in today's dollars uh, that Tesla was negotiating with, willing to give him money, and Morgan stopped them. And I think one of the reasons Morgan stopped them was he was afraid of wireless communication. He had rubber plantations, he had copper mines, he had lumber yards. Uh, he wanted he wanted wires. And plus, how do you build a wireless system? We have computers now to do it, but he didn't know how the money would come in, not realizing it was a paradigm shift. It's an entirely new way that money would come in. You're 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 of my age when we would not pay for radio and television. And yet radio and television was free and it, and it generated billions and billions of dollars and made many, many multimillionaires through advertising. But it was a paradigm shift. Morgan couldn't understand that. So he stopped Tesla from building the tower. And Tesla's pleading with him, saying every night my, my, my pillow is bathed with tears. 
I can't I make you understand what's going on here. I'm going to advance the world a century. And Morgan just cuts him off. It's a very, very sad story. So that's really when he started to disappear from history because uh, Morgan just squashed his wireless plans. He had this huge tower and it was dormant uh, for all those years. And then wasn't it destroyed by FDR because there was some concerns about that it might be something to put us in a vulnerable position during the war? Well, what happened was during World War I, Tesla was working for the Germans and the Sayville plant out on Long Island, which was near Wardenclyffe. Um, one of the big questions was, was Tesla, would, would his plans really have worked? And the reason he was working for the Germans was because the Germans understood that he would, he would help them tremendously. So when he got onto the German site, he said, you're spending too much energy sending it through the air. You've got to send this energy through the earth. And when they followed his plans, uh, the New York Times reports, Sayville triples its power and is now the most powerful wireless plant on the planet. And I think that that is what uh, the one article which really establishes that Tesla knew what he was talking about. Um, so this is World War I. We're still uh, not in the war. And in fact, we are using German equipment on our U.S. Navy ships. And Franklin Roosevelt is the assistant secretary of the Navy. Marconi sues the Navy and sues uh, Telefunken. And the reason why they're not going to uh, lose the suit is because Tesla has priority over Marconi. Uh, so actually, FDR was on Tesla's side at this time. And the reason that the tower was taken down, Tesla owed the Waldorf Astoria $20,000, transferred the property to them, and they uh, unfortunately destroyed the tower just for, for uh, the salvage, uh, just to, to include some of the money. Well, your, your book's about, a lot of it's about Tesla and his impact on war. So let's talk about this death ray. He claimed that he had his particle beam, and I'm not laughing, I, I'm just, it's just, I'm laughing at the irony, the fact that he had invented something that is so powerful, yet it got bungled along with so many other things that have happened over the years in terms of great inventions that never saw the light of day. So he claimed he had a particle beam weapon, which is like a ray gun type of thing where he could disintegrate you know, planes or whatever, and would be the game changer in all war. So you would think everybody would be after that, and that would get out there, and somebody got it. But it seems like nobody got it. So what happened? It's a very complicated story, and it actually covers World War One and World War Two. As they're getting ready to take down his tower, Tesla reveals that he can use that tower with his death ray. And a New York, big New York Times article: a man with a switch can can knock down planes from tesla's tower out on long island so he's a, he's pleading to uh to wilson you know to try and protect uh, the tower and, and it didn't work and they, they took the tower down so now that's you know 1915 so now 20 years later 1935 he's perfecting this particle beam weapon and he actually sells the details to the soviet union i was able to get um declassified documents from the soviet union and i was able to find out that Joseph Stalin himself had to okay the payment of $25,000. So Tesla's negotiating literally with Joseph Stalin in 1935. And they, they eventually become our allies during World War I and at World War II. And it wasn't illegal. Um, he also now tries to sell it to the, the British because he's afraid that the Germans will attack Great Britain. And one of the people he's negotiating with is General Andrew McNaughton. Now, I did not know who he was. When I first got into this research, well, who the heck is Andrew McNaughton? 
Well, he's on the cover of Time magazine and the cover of Life magazine. He was third in line to be head of Allied forces after uh, Eisenhower and Mountbatten. That's who he is. He's the head of secret weapons development for the Canadian government and thus for the British Empire. He's negotiating with Andrew McNaughton. There's many letters between the two of them. And McNaughton, unlike the Americans who were skeptical of Tesla, wants to figure out what the heck this is. And McNaughton sends scientists to meet with Tesla in the 1930s to figure out how this thing works. The problem with it is that it was not a simple thing. What, what Tesla come up with was a particle beam. If you send a flashlight into the sky, it loses all of its power. He had to concentrate the energy. And to concentrate the energy, he cut off tiny little pieces of tungsten and repel them out this gun. So you'd have a stream of particles. That's what a particle beam weapon is. Um, but the instrumentation is very, very complicated. We've located a letter from Franklin Roosevelt while Tesla was still alive, wanting to meet with Tesla. Because Roosevelt now knows whoever gets the atom bomb <laughs> right. is going to win World War II. And would Tesla's particle beam weapon protect America from a plane which could carry an atom bomb, which could be dropped on New York? So that's the kind of thing that's going on. And so you've got two groups, one group which doesn't believe in Tesla, uh, headed by Van Eva Bush, who's the head of the Manhattan Project, and another group headed by General L.C. Craigie, who was the first military guy to fly a jet plane during World War II. He thinks we should study this at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So I get into the, the drama of the two different warring factions of who, who to believe. But the truth of the matter was, it took a tremendous amount of energy. We spent, in, in today's dollars, probably trillions of dollars to build the atom bomb. Uh, to build Tesla's particle beam weapon would not have been an easy matter. It would have cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, there was a lot involved. One of the biggest problems was he had so much energy. How do you protect it without melting the equipment? So there was, the heat was involved. And, and uh, so that's really part of what was going on here was uh, which which weapon should you go with? And they went with the atom bomb, which, of course, made great sense, because clearly whoever got the atom bomb first would have won the war. OK, after that, Mark, then what happened with this particle beam technology? Is this something that's being I can't believe that they just dropped it and said, OK, atom bomb, because as we know, atom bombs, not what I would call a very clean way of managing the planet because and the way it was used on these you know innocent people in the cities and everything it's like it's not the same as taking out military apparatus with a uh, you know ray gun if you will mega ray gun so what happened after that in your opinion well what happened right after tesla died uh van Eva bush sent uh john g trump uh to look at tesla's papers trump was a, a physicist at mit working with van de Graaff. Now, I knew the Trump, Trump report. I had this, you know, the Trump report since the 1990s, and I knew Donald Trump, but I never tied the two together. I thought they were two different people, uh, unrelated. Uh, when we made the television show, The Tesla Files, uh, we found out that, that uh, it, uh, John G. Trump was, his, was Donald Trump's uncle. So it's just this incredible coincidence. But he was highly uh, educated. He was a, the good guy to do this, and he studied Tesla's papers, and he concluded don't worry about it. You can send it to the to uh, to Yugoslavia to a communist country. There's no problem there. But L.C. Craigie, General Craigie, said, "No, we got to protect this. This is important. We got so you have these two warring groups." And what happened was the U.S. government sat on Tesla's papers for ten years and studied them. 
And uh, so what what happened eventually with you know his his invention was they worked on it and worked on it. He had another invention. He called it a flivver plane. It took off like a helicopter and then rotated into the airplane position. And uh, the head of Bell Labs was one of the people working with Van Eva Bush. He was putting down Tesla. And meanwhile, Bell Labs is the people that, that created the Osprey helicopter. If you Google the Osprey helicopter airplane, I, I, I'll give you a, you know, a medal if you could find Tesla's name. Uh, but Tesla really is the inventor, inventor of that. So there were military inventions uh, in Tesla's secret papers. And those are two of the most important ones. The particle beam weapon evolved into what's called the railgun. The railgun is a very highly effective and inexpensive way to take down planes and uses the exact same principle that Tesla was using, and that is repulsion, electrical repulsion, repulsing, repulsing out a, an object which would take down a plane, uh, as opposed to shooting a cannon or some other mechanism. Um, but there's a lot more to his particle beam weapon. He, he also felt that it was a way to communicate with other planets. Uh, I think uh, the, um, the trunk lines that we have, uh, wireless trunk lines, are uh, linked to that, microwave trunk lines, that kind of thing. Um, so there's a lot more to, to this invention than, than just a, as a weapon. During your research, Mark, what was the, and, and you've done a lot of it, and congratulations, just amazing work you're doing. What was the biggest, oh, wow, I, uh, concept that came across, the learning that you found, like, I can't believe this. I didn't know this. Like, the biggest surprise. And what do you think was, his, was Tesla's greatest achievement? I had a couple of huge surprises in writing the new book, uh, Tesla Wizard at War. One was that you have this image of this old guy feeding the pigeons, living in the Hotel New York, as poor as can be. That's not what's going on. Tesla's negotiating with Joseph Stalin with Andrew McNaughton, who's uh, Winston Churchill's right-hand man, third in line to be head of Allied forces, with Franklin Roosevelt himself, who writes a letter wanting to meet with Tesla, with Van Eva Bush, the head of the Manhattan Project. Tesla was negotiating with the very height of power uh, as World War I was in the midst of. He dies in 1943. So throughout the early part of the war, they're very interested in who he is. In my book, I've got five or six Nobel Prize winners, all uh, congratulating Tesla on his uh, on his 75th birthday. Um, so that was one of the biggest surprises to me, that Tesla wasn't this old doddering guy, that he was actually totally in the game right at the end of his life. The other big uh, thing for me, the big wow, was his explanation of what gravity was. I always thought we were attracted to the earth. I never understood why the people in Australia don't fall off the earth, frankly, but that's a kind of a joke. <laughs> but I still really don't understand it totally. But anyhow, Tesla had a whole different view of gravity. Einstein spent 40 years, the last 40 years of his life, trying to combine electromagnetism with gravity. I'm going to try and do it in about two minutes. Uh, and it's all because of Tesla. What Tesla said is the reason why we fall back to the earth when we jump up is not because we're attracted to the earth, because all of matter is absorbing energy all of the time. So the earth is absorbing energy all the time. So when you jump up, you're in the way of this influx, and so you fall back down. But you're absorbing energy. The pen over here is absorbing, the book is absorbing energy, my glasses, everything's absorbing energy, but the earth is absorbing a tremendous amount of energy. That's what gravity is, according to Tesla. So I thought about this a little farther. I said, well, if that means that, then particle being, then, then then uh, elementary particles are absorbing energy all the time. What's making them spin? 
Now, I read George Gamow's book. Gamow was one of the forefathers of quantum physics. He wrote a book, 30 Years That Shook Physics. And he wrote that when they first measured particle spin, particles were spinning faster than the speed of light. They needed to spin faster than the speed of light to generate electromagnetism. And I go, wow, that's unbelievable. But it violated relativity. So what they did was they said, let's call the part particle spin the square root of negative one, which is an imaginary number. I mean, uh, uh, Dirac did this. He got a Nobel Prize for this. So by calling it the square root of negative one, they were able to combine electromagnetism uh, with the other three forces uh, you know, uh, that make everything up. Uh, there are four forces, the strong nuclear force, a weak nuclear okay. force, electromagnetism, and gravity. But they couldn't get gravity in there. Now, here's what I think. If matter is being absorbed all of the time, if the particles, if elementary particles are absorbing matter, uh, energy, etheric energy all the time, causing it to spin faster than the speed of light, and that spinning is creating electromagnetism, which is what Gamo said, that's grand unification. That's combining gravity with electromagnetism. Electromagnetism is, is caused by, you know, the elementary particles, and they don't know what gravity is, really. And I'm telling what I think gravity is, the Higgs boson, the God particle. It's, it's the absorption of etheric energy. So I got all that from Tesla, and I think that that's one of the biggest wows I came up with. Does that support kind of the theory that everything is kind of space or frequency, and uh, matter is pulled together by this God particle. So that creates like, you know, the book here or the desk or whatever, but everything is really just energy and frequency. And this is the God particle as a way of pulling it together. So we have all these tangible things, if you will. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Okay. And one of the big things about it is the ether exists. I quote that Einstein himself says the ether exists in the book. I, it's from Walter Isaacson's major book on, on Einstein. Uh, a lot of physicists think there is no ether, which is absurd. And what Tesla is saying is the ether is probably an alternate current oscillating at trillions of times a second. It's oscillating so fast we can't measure it. So there's a whole other side to Tesla. You, you never end with learning about it. The fundamental structure of space is involved, uh, what gravity is. Gravity is linked to electromagnetism. All that wow. is actually also part of Tesla's theories. Okay, my special guest is Mark J. Seifer. The book is Tesla, Wizard at War, The Genius, The Particle Beam Weapon, The Pursuit of Power. Tesla de developed some other great inventions also. In 1931, he had something called the Pierce Arrow Car. What was that all about? And how did that kind of evolve into current? I mean, I guess the thinking was free technology, free energy. And it was kind of behind that. And it seems like an underlying theme in Tesla's work to be able to tap into all the energy that's out there. So we didn't need coal or fossil fuels, etc. That's exactly what it is. What Tesla felt, he was very aware of ecology. Why sap the earth of, of its natural resources of oil and coal? His hydroelectric power system was uh, hooked to the wheel work of the universe. That's what he says. If we could hook our star to the wheelwork of universe. So it's a recurring energy. It's running on a waterfall. So he knew that, you know, cars and airplanes, they use a tremendous amount of fuel. If instead we could beam the electricity to the cars and, and the airplanes, we wouldn't have to use any fuel at all. So part of his idea of Wardenclyffe, of the great wireless tower, was to transmit energy 
two cars and and two airplanes. And one of them was was this Pierce Arrow, and there's a big mystery of whether he actually built this Pierce Arrow, which was an electric car, which is getting all of its energy from Niagara Falls. Um, and I go into that in depth, and there's a big question whether or not he actually built this car. But I do think that he stands for a future goal and an ideal, and that is we've got to get off oil, we've got to get off coal, and there has to be a way. I think it's nuts when we send a rocket ship up to the moon, all the uh, fuel that we're using. I have a feeling that there's an electromagnetic way, we see the UFOs can do it, that there's a way to escape the gravity of the Earth uh, by not using any fuel, but by using electromagnetic, uh, a better understanding of electromagnetism. I think all that is hidden in Tesla's technologies. It could even be, uh, he doesn't mention this, but, you know, thinking about like using crystal power and things like that, but you would think that going forward, there could be some type of chip or something in a vehicle that could propel it. It's it's just so amazing to me that, you know, cars in our lifetime, Mark, have really not changed all that much until the Tesla, which is like a computer with a car built around it versus the traditional vehicles. And that air travel is basically the same as it was 50 years ago. And that also, like we went to the moon in the 60s and nobody's going has gone back to the moon really since then. It just seems like everything and 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 even though there's been a lot of advances in medicine and technology, et cetera, it seems like a lot of other things could have gone and could be going a lot faster. What are your thoughts on that from doing all your research and studying a guy so brilliant and visionary as Tesla? Well, I think he stands for an idea. I, growing up as a kid, one of my heroes was Jacques Cousteau. And the reason why was because Jacques Cousteau studied nature, but he used high technology to study nature. And Tesla was of the same mind. One of his good friends was John Muir, Muir Woods. You know, he was an ecologist, uh, helped start, uh, you know, the, the, the great re reservations out, you know, Yosemite National Park, all that came from Muir. That was Tesla's thinking. How can we advance this planet without sapping it of its of its natural resources and i think that that's all linked to you know exactly what you're saying um so that to me is you know that's why he should be studied because there's so many aspects to his life but i think that that's really the goal um okay. and i think that uh, i i foresee that highways will have a way to to generate electricity as the car drives along the highway but I, the one other thing i wanted to mention was the reason why it's called tesla motors tesla invented an electric car back in 1904 and uh you know the two guys that invented it Tar tarpanning and, and uh, eberhard uh those guys had read tesla's article from 1904 and that's what prompted them to build the, the electric car Telephotography. Tesla claimed that you could actually photograph people's thoughts. I mean, that's brilliant. It's so far in advance, and it's like a way of mind reading and putting it on a screen. Could you tap into that real quick for us? Yes. Tesla felt that if you could harness, if you could somehow read out the retina, that you would be able to see people's thoughts. And I saw a show on 60 Minutes, came from MIT. I don't know the guy's name, it's in my book, but he came up with the exact same idea only putting it on the voice box. So how do, you, how do you harness something on the retina? So he has a device on the voice box. Now, when you think of a word, if you just think of a word and don't say the word, the impulse is still sent to the voice box. So uh, Scott Pelle asked the guy, you know, how much is 600,000 times 742? And he, and he thinks those things, he sends it 
by means of uh, various mechanisms to the internet, to Google. Google does the stuff, comes back into his earpiece, and he says whatever the answer is. And then Scott Pelley asked him, you know, what's the capital of Bulgaria? Uh, and he says what the capital is uh, because he's he's used to all that. So Tesla wanted to harness the the retina. Uh, this guy has actually harnessed the voice box without uh, invading the body. So I think that it's very close to what Tesla wanted to do. Amazing. And my special guest, once again, Mark J. Cipher. Mark, tell us how people can find out more about you and your work with Tesla and all your other work, like on handwriting. Yes, uh, I'm also a handwriting expert. I'm a novelist. I've written four novels. Okay. Um, uh, my name is Mark Seifer, M-A-R-C-S-E-I-F-E-R. So it's just markseifer.com. And of course, the book, you know, Tesla, Wizard at War is available on, on Amazon, also Barnes and Noble. Um, and uh, that's, it's, I'm easy to get to. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Thanks for being on the show. Let's, we'll talk about maybe your handwriting book in the future. All right. Thanks so much, Robert. All right. Thank you, Mark. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay. What an incredible first conversation because I'm pretty sure I'll have him back with Mark J. Cipher about Nikola Tesla, the wizard, if you will. The first book was called The Life and Times of Tesla, and the second book is about his particle beam weapon and the pursuit of power and a lot of the powerful figures that were around in the orbit, if you will, of Tesla working with him and also getting hold of and at times squashing and holding back some of the discoveries and inventions that he was working on and coming up with. Just amazing that he had built this tower for long distance kind of cellular type of activity and that was taken down and when he died his files were taken and a lot of the things he was working on now remember this was a hundred years ago this wasn't five years ago ten years ago this is a hundred years ago this guy was coming up with this stuff he just blew uh edison and marconi away in terms of how forward thinking he was and he was actually doing the work a very interesting odd kind of individual also there's not much we know about his adult personal life except he lived at the best hotels in new york city he had great places and spaces to work at and he did amazing work and there was a lot of influential very powerful people around him either financing him or kind of keeping their eyes on what he was up to and again when he passed his files were taken his tower got taken down at some point uh, around the world war and a lot of his stuff was kind of kept buried if you will or under the carpet until recently and we have to thank mark j cypher our guest for really doing a very deep dive into the life of nikola tesla so what else did we learn i think we learned that there is uh, a an intersection a synergy between science and spirituality that seems to be becoming more and more prominent i've noticed with my guests last week i had dr larry farwell he talked about the same thing before that i've had other metaphysical teachers who've talked about how everything begins with if you boil everything down getting down to the atoms and smaller than atoms and smaller than that and smaller than that that it's just a a frequency energy or a tone and there's space between things and then what's called the quote-unquote kind of the god particles what kind of creates mass and bring things together along with a collective agreement 
from human beings as to, okay, knock, knock, this is a table, or this is a computer, or this is a microphone, or this is a book. And the possibilities, therefore, are endless in terms of how we create our own lives through our thoughts, intentions, and our frequency. And I think this is really going to start pushing to the forefront because when you take science and you take spirituality and you start seeing the synchronicities between them and how they can work together and how each side of the equation is not kind of trashing the other side and saying, no, it's this way only or no, it's that way only. There is an understanding now that all this stuff kind of works together. And I think we will, as a civilization, really leapfrog ahead in the next decade or so as as this becomes more part of our conversation, if you will. So Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. The podcast and my YouTube and new Rumble channel post worldwide every Thursday. There is a replay of our KCAA show every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. If you want to just watch my interviews with my guests, you go to YouTube or Rumble and just the interviews there. If you want the whole show, the opening, the close, you just want to listen, you like podcasts, you like radio shows, you want to listen live, you want to stream, you want to download, then go to robertmanny.com. We'll lead you everywhere you need to go. You can uh, do the Apple Podcasts. Uh, YouTube, of course, you know, you just look up my name, Robert Manny. It's called Guys Guys TV, but just use my name. And you can get all of our content there. And I would ask you, and you know, I don't do this a lot, and I don't start out every show asking for subscriptions, but if you enjoy the content and the guests I bring you each and every week to Guys Guys Radio and Guys Guys TV, I ask you if you would please support the work we're doing here to make this a better world by just simply subscribing to our podcast and subscribing to the YouTube Rumble whichever you listen to or watch or however you consume your content, please subscribe to support us. It goes a long way. It's going to help keep this show going. And I've got so many more great guests coming up. You know, the whole Guys Guy thing, we started a couple of years ago with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love. It's a rom-com. It's been called The Male Successor to Sex and the City. It's a really fun summer read. Women like it because it gives them a kind of a peek behind the curtain into the weird, odd world of modern-day men and their dating habits, and guys like it because it's like, hey, that's us. And you know what? Guys aren't so bad. So it's a fun book. I think you'll enjoy it. It's fast-paced, it's frothy, it's sexy, and it's got a lot of uh, flavor of New York City in it uh, in a good way. It's a very blue-sky type of book. It goes fast. It's a great summer read, but it's deep, and it's about something, and I think you'll have fun with it. So we started there with relationships, and we started. I started blogging, similar to my main character in the book who writes a column about men for a woman's publication. I started writing blogs about men for kind of the general audience, and then I started doing Guys Guys Radio. And we started uh, with a lot of relationship experts as and dating coaches as uh, guests, and that was fantastic. And then some other folks started coming to me, and the brand, if you will, has grown organically because publicists start finding me. And if I interviewed somebody who was a financial expert, then some other publicist would send me a financial expert. And if I interviewed a metaphysical expert, I'd get another one sent to me because we always do a good, thorough job here on Guys Guys Radio. And so the brand is growing quantumly. And it's growing organically at the same time. So it's very satisfying to be able to 
put content and information out there that that helps people. And I'm a real stickler in terms of who I uh, who I allow, if you will, and who I invite uh, on the show because I want it to be guests that not just are touting their book or whatever, even though we cover a lot of books, which is fine. But any author can do that, and the publicist can do that through social media. You come on to Guys Guys Radio. People have to offer something to you, my wonderful audience, to make it worthwhile for them listening instead of getting a 20 to 45 minute commercial about somebody's book. We're going to get into it. We're going to have a conversation. That's the other thing. I don't like to corner the guest uh, and really be too tough with them in the interviews when I'm going to ask them questions that I would ask if I was sitting next to them on a transcontinental flight and I had a lot of time to dig into some stuff and ask them the questions that I think you would want to ask them. So I always ask myself, I said, what would I want to know about this? Or what would our listeners or viewers want to know about this? And that's what I ask. So it's as simple as that. And again, with the 650 plus guests we've had here on Guys Guys Radio, you're not going to, and I'm not going to agree with every single thing they say. However, there's a lot of great information that can be gleaned from the shows, from my guests, and maybe even from some of my insights as uh, your representative and kind of representative guys guy. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you'll stick with us as we continue to grow and grow and grow. So I say thank you, as I always do, to all my wonderful guests. I've got a lot of great ones coming up for you. Thank you to my terrific producer, Chris. And also, most of all, thank you my one, to my wonderful audience. You've been there for me. For the new members of the audience, thank you so much. Please subscribe, and I'm going to see you again next week. And as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>